combat time. Welcome to Combat Time, where three friends talk about anything and everything Mortal Kombat. And today, I am joined by Yasin. Yo. And Josh. Hello, hello. And today, we are going to talk about everything and everything Mortal Kombat art-related. Not like all the art as far as like character designs, but mainly about the backgrounds from the first three games. We are also going to dive into a little bit of, you know, what I like to think of as the fourth founding father of Mortal Kombat, John Vogel, who doesn't get he the, as... He, he is the fourth founding father. He literally father. is. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he is the fourth one. But no one really talks about him too terribly much. Everybody is all about their Ed Boon, Tobias, and, and Ford. But, God uh, damn it, you did it again. Forden, Forden, sorry. I keep doing that. <laughs> I, I will mention that Forden is only talked about as much as he is because of Dusty. Dusty. Uh, integral, he was, to, to Mortal Kombat, and so is John Vogel. But as we'll discover in our research, John Vogel's kind of... Kind of in the shadows, the shadows, the darkness. Yeah, hard to find out a lot about that guy. Yeah, but he's got some cred, man. I mean, granted, oh, yeah. you know, there, there's not there's not a stupid amount of information on him, but the information that's out there that we were able to find on him, like I definitely learned a lot of new things about him that I didn't know before. So I'm I'm really interested in talking about it, but also um, talking about you know the general mood of the stages in Mortal Kombat is particularly from how it started in one and then how it flows through two and then how it flows through three where you get to see the real transformation from what Mortal Kombat started in as far as its roots and inspiration to what it evolved to and a lot of that does have to do with just the evolution of the art within the first three games and it's a it's a subject that I'm very excited to talk about because I I guess you know TM uh you know, peek behind the shadows here, but I am an artist. I um, I went to art school and I do art on the side just as a side hustle for myself just to make some money. So I like how you're about of, to say TMI. I know. Like, yeah, I know, right? TMI, I'm an artist. <laughs> Ew. It's like, what kind of art? <laughs> yeah. Let's expound on that a little bit. Hey. <laughs> Commission's a commission. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. But I'm definitely excited to talk about um, this particular episode. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I want to do. I want to talk about all the colors of the rainbow and how they mix in with Mortal Kombat gore and fatalities. It's a fun time, trust me. So, <laughs> all the lovely gore and gray brimstone colors of the rainbow, which actually is disingenuous, as as we'll learn. MK2 particularly quite colorful. Colorful, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mortal Kombat actually is quite colorful. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it actually so it's not as colorful as like Street Fighter, but that's because it's like different types of art style, right? Which, would you get like would like would you guys actually say that? I guess they kind of go hand in hand because I don't think you'd have one without the other. But would you guys say that the um, that the art of Mortal Kombat, just the visuals of it, is more important than the music, or would you think the music was more important mm. considering that considering how iconic or maybe not as iconic as we previously discussed in previous episodes on other games, but the music does play a part. Based um, on I think what it's we equal. T- yeah, well, I'm leaning a little bit more towards the art. Based on what we talked about the, on the music episode, you know, we, we deducted the music's pretty essential, but it's much different than the melodic stuff of Street Fighter. But I think the art is what made Mortal Kombat 
Mortal Kombat, which made it, which is what made it visible. Like, not just the digitized actors, which had a big factor, uh, and John Vogel was responsible for digitizing, you know, Ho Sung Pak and Daniel Piscina and all them, but uh, just the 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 backgrounds uh, and this 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 setting of at first the stereotypical Asian thing, which is a phrase we use a lot lately because it's just Mortal Kombat. But Mortal like, Com- especially in Mortal Kombat One, that's yeah, right. yeah. But then moving one. into Two, where they introduce this fantasy land and all that, it's just a lot of world building and mythology just in the backgrounds themselves. Uh, I think yeah. it's almost essential. It's like the pit, you know, and all that. And it's always kind of cool just to see how everything looked, like the whole concept of like these portals to Outworld, um, even in Mortal Kombat Two, where you see the monks that are hovering in the air in the background at that particular stage, and you're like, "What's the story behind these monks? Like, why are they praying?" And you know about these portals, and then you go to the living forest where the trees have faces, and apparently they, they can say problematic you. things to Baraka, you know. Yeah, and say pl- problematic <laughs> things to Baraka, <laughs> you know. And then, of course, like how that expands and how everything looks where you get outworld races and then you get dynamics about them like in in later games where they're expanded upon. And all this stuff is just sort of like hinted at really mainly through the stages. You get some of this, you know, from character descriptions and just their overall look. But I really feel like that the stages really helps paint the world that you're in. And if like. Mortal Kombat would basically be a dead-on-arrival type of game if all the backgrounds were just inherently boring and uninteresting. I've played some fighting games in the past like where the backgrounds are just basically full of nothing, and it really makes you dislike you know, a game, and you even if you don't know necessarily why. When we did our movie episode, when we were like watching these to eventually review them on that particular episode, we were talking about how like in, um, in martial arts movies... If um, sometimes the setting of the martial arts fight is inherently uh, as important or even more important than the actual fight itself, because if your set has no character and is and they're just fighting in like a blank warehouse kind of room, then, you know, it's kind of hard to get into the fight unless yeah. it's like stupid quick, you know, settings and key yeah. matter. Nothing boring than having your fight set in a Morbius, uh, empty Morbius theater, you know, yeah. Morbius. <laughs> dating this episode a little bit and we see that in the movies too like you know we all gush about the Mortal Kombat 95 movie but you know beautiful settings yeah but what would those settings be like if we didn't get the Johnny Cage Scorpion fight or the Liu Kang Reptile fight and not just the fight but the but the set that they're in I mean even like that, even without those you know the Katana and Liu Kang just the most kid gloves fight of all beautiful setting they literally found that beach and we're like we have to film a fight here well it's all, yeah. it also yeah. depends on what your subject matter is like if your subject matter is like high fantasy or like you know stuff that has to do with like another realm or whatever then yeah you want it to be as like has as much character as possible but it just depends on the, the it depends on what the game is about or the movie because like fatal fury or like street fighter like those stages are usually just like locations yeah but the Street Fighter locations, I can't speak for Fatal Fury, though, have a lot of character. Cause there's, they do. There's a story in them, too. You see all, all Guile's mates in the background and mm-hmm. Balrog's fans and Vegas, you know? Yeah. There's a lot. Of, and you, you could get distracted just looking at the background and all the people doing stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, I almost want to say that, you know, that, that maybe has something over Mortal Kombat because it wasn't until 
the Nether Realm games, where there's a lot of busy stuff happening in the background. The backgrounds of Mortal Kombat don't have a lot of movement and stuff to distract you. It's just uh, there, there is movement, it's subtle, but it's mostly about character, the mood, and it definitely excels in that. And the, the stages do have a lot of movement. Yeah, it actually oftentimes goes into because I know you've seen you and I have talked about this a lot. How like in later Mortal Kombat games, they give you um, some inherently more options to use the actual stage. For your fight, like how you can do a super jump off certain objects, you can grab objects in later games and actually use them as a one hit, um, as a one hit kind of thing. If that's very unique, just to that stage, and then sometimes depending on you know what stage it is, it'll change. Like if you hit them somewhere, I remember thinking how awesome that was in Mortal Kombat Three when you clearly uppercut someone and you hit them to an entirely different stage from the one that you were just at. And certain stage fatalities exist depending on what stage that you're on. Like stuff like that I always thought was inherently more interesting because it gives you, even though Mortal Kombat is a 2D game, it gave you this almost like this sort of pre-3D world sense of everything. It kind of like pushed forward more of the digitized actors, which are already kind of unique in of themselves. But when you can push different stages, getting uppercut through them, or you can uppercut someone and you actually see them fall down the pit and hit the spikes below, only to find out that, oh, you can fight Reptile at the bottom of this pit because he's the secret character. You're just like, wow, like, you know, there's like there's layers to these stages. It's not just, you know, a left and a right and one like solid plane. There's actually more to it. There's that there's an upper area. There's a lower area. And how you make those things look on a visual level so that way you can kind of see the hints of it matters. And there's definitely a lot of work that goes into that as far as like making sure that the colors don't blend in too much with the characters themselves so they stand out easy enough so they're see. That was a very much a consideration. In Mortal Kombat 2 specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also you want to you want the stages to look and feel all different from each other too. Like there's no it like uh, in Mortal Kombat 2, the Living Forest is light years different from the portal room for example because you have mostly greens and browns like a forest would have kind of an eerie spooky night and then in the portal you just have this big huge like swirling splash of red with gray stone and monks in the background just kind of floating there to sort of add to the atmosphere to kind of get you more into the fight that you're about to have you never see those floating monks in anything other than this game's um no, I'm. I don't think they, we do. they've appeared no. in Mugen fan Mortal Kombat games, making one of them their own character. Like, uh, who are they? Huh? Who are they? I'm, well, actually, no. We see them in the Mortal Kombat movie. They're not floating, but they're you know the hooded monks. They're just Shang Tsung's monks. You know, they're you evil. Never see them float though. Yeah, they didn't float in the float. movie. That be okay. A things they should do in the Mortal Kombat 2021 sequel. If we're going to Outworld, show that. Yeah, floating Show some monks. monks. Floating monks. I need more floating monks. I need pictures, and I need pictures of floating monks. Parker. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's a question. Uh, since we were talking about how, you know, the art compares to the music, uh, we when we were doing the music episode, we did a little bit of comparison between different platforms and stuff like that, mm. and showed how, like, you know, different platforms affected how the music sounded. Sometimes it completely changed it. And we know from, you know, us playing the games, like when we did our review episodes, that the Sega and SNES versions look very different from the arcade version. They just, you know, details are taken out. It's more grainy, especially on the Sega. Color palettes are just not there, some of them, in some of them. So it makes me wonder, like, which which do you think is more affected? 
by the the jump from arcade to console? The music or the art? I would outright say the music for sure, but the art definitely does suffer. If you look at the Genesis, like that's something I wished I would have looked at. Is like the difference of the look of the stages between the systems. I need to bring that to you sometimes so we can play it. What Genesis? Yeah, I have it on my uh, my Genesis Mini, so okay. I could just bring it over to your place and yeah, man. And after playing the Genesis version, that that one plays pretty swiftly. Should be better than the the SNES Mini version that Jay has. No offense, Jay, but the SNES <laughs> version does kind of suck. That's a version I grew up with. But no, no, no. The 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 courtyard, the very first stage of Mortal Kombat, is one that did jump out at me just you know already because you know that's. As far as setting the stage, that's a great stage because you got the monks and they are moving. They're kind of shuffling a little bit. You got those guards. You got Shang Tsung sitting in the background and this yeah. very picturesque mountain scene in the background that moves in a parallax. If you're, you know, fighting across the stage, I believe, quote me if I'm wrong, the parallax is removed in the Genesis version. But more so than that, the Genesis version is just like. Shang Tsung has shrunk down to this little guy sitting on there and there's like less field of depth and it just looks like he's just pasted on there at the top and it just like really fucks up the original image uh, from the arcade. And you're never going to get a better presentation than the arcade versions of these games because there's a lot more moving parts. Like if you get to MK3 and like the subway, there's blinking lights and I'm pretty sure absent in some of the console versions. Yeah, but but at the end of the day, it's less noticeable than the music. So I'd say the music suffers more, but the art is but the art is more essential based on my previous statement. Yeah, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna agree with you, Josh. Just because like when we were looking at doing research for the music episode, I got I did some research into the different versions just for the music. But obviously, there is an art dynamic there where you know a lot of the colors do um, do inherently get washed out depending on which console version that you're looking at. And I think the Genesis version I think definitely suffered the most from that. But to make up for that, it had a really funky music port that is well 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 known i just got done saying the music suffers the most but the genesis definitely just uh, made up for it by just doing what it does best so yeah it's always kind of interesting because when you think about like how the concepts of these stages were created so you're kind of building the world that all these fights are going to happen in so you so you have this vision in your head about how you want it to look on an arcade and then you have the home consoles and the ports that go into them and then because there's different hardware specs for this stuff how are they going to how are they going to translate like it's going to be it's basically going to be like importing like um a picture that you have and then you rasterize it in photoshop and then you want to like scale it up again like it already comes out at, at the perfect vision at say like four by four and then you rasterize it and blow it up to like i don't know 12 by 12 and then you're like oh why is it so pixelated like oh, why is it so kind of like what they did in the backgrounds in the resident evil remake remaster yep I mean, a little bit <laughs> you, you played that enjoyed that but they fucked the backgrounds on that yeah, uh, because they upscaled. They didn't have. They lost the originals of them, so they just upscaled them, and they look kind of grainy compared to the the fully mm-hmm. clear character model walking through them. So I'm glad I still got it in GameCube. That's why I think it's always just kind of like cool if you enjoy just the overall look and feel of Mortal Kombat, just from like an aesthetic perspective. That if you have a local arcade that has these old school arcade cabinets, it's interesting just to kind of you know, compare what the game looks like on your home console if you can download a port of it and then look at how it looks like on a real arcade cabinet. Oh, yeah, no, when, when you and I went and played MK2, which is one I played seldomly in the arcades, I played mostly 1 and 3. Uh, when we played uh, 2 at uh, Joystick Bar, 
I was like blown away by like, oh wow, all these minute details I missed on the Super Nintendo version, like the checkered pattern on the ninja vests and stuff like that, and a little bit more fluid animation in the characters themselves. I'm like, wow. So oh, it makes that a difference. Joystick, that was a time where I beat the crap out of Jay in that game, right? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> I just want to make sure. It was. Yeah. Yep. 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 It has don't, to be stated. Don't, yeah, don't worry, Yassine. You'll probably beat me many more times in MK2. I know I have it coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we move on uh, into, before we, like, you know, dissect the art itself, talk about the artist himself? Yes. This yes. is John yes. Vogel. We're 18 minutes in. Let's, let's give, him, let's give yep. him his due, man. Yep. So let's chat a little bit about good old John Vogel. Yeah. Um, Hard as he is to find info on. Yeah, yeah. There's not really too, too much there. But uh, but it should obviously be known, because we said this earlier, that he is one of the founding fathers of Mortal Kombat. Um, he is responsible for a lot of the stage backgrounds uh, in Mortal Kombat 1 through 3. Um, he's got a pretty... Uh, and, li- and it should be noted, to present day, he still does art for the 3DR games and the, and the NetherRealm games, so... Yep. This man has only worked for Midway, which I think, like, was Midway bought by, by Warner Brothers at some point? Is that true? No, no, no. Midway no. folded, and they formed NetherRealm, which was under Warner Brothers. Okay. Yeah. Well, he worked for Midway for 20 years. Like, he worked there from May 1989 to 2009. So that's 20 years being an artist, an animator, a modeler, and a writer, apparently. Because what was the game, Josh, that he has a writing credit for? Uh, He pretty much has... Writing credits for everything from, I'd have to scroll my notes, uh, starting with the 3D era games, but most notably in MK11. He, he's responsible for some of the story stuff that people might love or hate in MK11. Uh, so he's been involved with the story pretty much since John Tobias's departure, which it probably makes sense because apparently he and John Tobias shared an office, which was next to Ed Boon's office when they were making MK1. And, you know, I guess he's just sort of a jack of all trades as far as, you know, it was a small team. Yeah. And, you know, as it went on, he, he kept involved in the story. And that's something I learned. Yeah, I didn't know he was involved in all that. Yeah, I didn't know he was. I, I had no idea he was involved in all that either. I just think it's kind of cool that, you know, at least for the earlier games, they really had like a really tight knit small group of people that just stayed true to what they were doing and just kept it going. I mean, the whole look of how we visualize Mortal Kombat today would probably not have been possible without, you know, uh, without John Vogel if he wasn't there. Because, I mean, heck, I mean, when Mortal Kombat 95 came out, they were looking at the games and trying to recreate some of these stages. And so it's got, I got to, I got to imagine, I would take a lot of pride in myself if I actually created a stage that was a background in a video game. They made a movie about that game later on. And then they were like, okay, what like real life location can we use to make, to recreate this stage for our movie? And to be and fair, the MK95 movie didn't explicitly recreate any of his stages. It, it sort of, you know, they paid homage a little bit with the pit, right? And like yeah. Outworld kind of has the look of the wastelands from MK2, but it's got its own look. But they did kind of keep the same aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah, I'd still be proud of that. And now fast forward to MK2021, where they literally have the pit too, with Jax and Reiko fighting and no one gets thrown off. <laughs> um, you said there's not much info on Vogel, but was there any info like where he started or where he went to school or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, there's some. So he got his start at the um, American Academy of Art, if I'm reading that correctly. Yes, you are. So yeah, his education was at the American Academy of Art, 1986 to 1988. So he that's where that's where he kind of honed 
um, his skills there. And then not too long after he graduated, that's when he got his first job at Midway Games in 1989. And he was with Midway for 20 years after that, just working primarily on Mortal Kombat. <laughs> so. And he's been there ever since, which, think about that. And, and Ford and too, both of them, mm-hmm. started out at Midway, made friends of Tobias and, and Boone, and then never fucking left. How fucking rare is that? Mm-hmm. It was all, I saw three of them, really. Boone, Vogel, and Forden all stayed. Yeah, Tobias is the only one that, that, that you know, shifted his, his uh, horizons. But damn, still. It's wild. It's like having a, yeah, they're living the, the old school standard. I wonder if they're one like. company for life. I know uh, Dan Forden, like, he's like, he's like sort of supervisor. Like, he does, like, he, he yeah. makes music for it, but he's like, he kind of oversees it all, right? Yeah, his his uh, hats have changed a little bit, and he's kind of taken on a more supervisory role, despite having done a track in MK11. He did see a blood yeah. and like, mentioned. Um, Ed Boone, like he, I remember seeing an interview he did recently after he got his like lifetime achievement, and he said that you know he's the creative lead and all that. And he does a lot more of you know the creative stuff or whatever, but he doesn't code anymore. Like he said, he hasn't coded in many many years. Like, I read that like, he. He wouldn't be able to now because the languages are, are different. Right. So I wonder, like, for Vogel, like, how, like, what is his position now? And, like, how involved is he? Is it more of a supervisor position? Is he still, like, in the trenches doing art? Like, No, it seems like his titles for the newer games, I haven't seen anything that's a supervisor and all that. Just as art or design and stuff like that. I think he's, he is very versatile because he did the the photo capture for the actors he did the backgrounds he designed it should be set the Mortal Kombat logo I think he's just your visual guy artist, and you know yeah. and I think he he learned 3D modeling because he, he had hand in making the 3D characters for MK4 and and for the PS2 era games right. so I think he's just evolved himself and just kept in you know and if it involves the look of the game he's in some part involved right. Uh, with his with his up to his elbows with his hands dirty. Yeah, he definitely he definitely has made his mark um, on this franchise like God three hundred percent for sure. Because like looking at um, just some of the credits that he has, you know, as far as Mortal Kombat games specifically, like he did Mortal Kombat one, two, three, four, Deadly Alliance, Deception, Armageddon, Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe, and more um, in Mortal Kombat nine, and has also worked on Injust on Injustice Gods Among Us. You know, just to kind of go up the ladder. I'm a little bit so his so his influence with how he does like backgrounds and art is just felt everywhere around Mortal Kombat. So it's right. safe to say that along with you know Ed Boon, John Tobias, um, and Dan Forden, you know Mortal Kombat would not look or feel like it does today if it wasn't for uh, if it wasn't for John Vogel to a degree. Mm-hmm. So I think absolutely. So I think I think that that's pretty pretty substantial. And he's held some titles too. Like he's um, he hasn't just always been just one set artist. He's been a character model, a, a character modeler, a background artist, a lead artist, a lead animator, and a story writer. Because we mentioned earlier that he has some story writing credits too. So when you work for one company for twenty years and you move around as much as he did, yeah, I can see why he's held a good number of titles and really expanded his stuff. So. Mad props it to should him. also be noted he, he lent his voice uh, in Deception Armageddon mm-hmm. and MK versus DC. Yes, he did. <laughs> so his voice is somewhere. He's worked in other studios from time to time too, right? Um, not other studios. Like uh, I had mentioned in the notes that his name might be attached to Armature Studio and uh, to uh, another one. What is it? Uh, High Voltage. Yeah, and th- his name's only attached to that because those are studios that adapted 
Injustice and and other Mortal Kombat games to other systems. Kind of like how, you know, someone will get a writing credit for, you know, adaptation or something, you know, but they didn't really work on it. So, no, he's he's 100% midway in another realm. Yep. He's a one-company man. He is, de- he is, he is definitely a one-company man. Uh, he did, however, he worked on Terminator 2, the arcade game. That was his first credit, actually, the art in that. Uh, and that was, I believe, Midway. He also worked on the pinball version of that game, too. Oh, really? Interesting. Yep. I just find the, the arcade version funny because that's the game that Lawrence Kasanoff helped produce <laughs> to try and make you know a franchise out of Terminator. And then came over and, and turned around and applied his same, you know, you know, specialty to Mortal Kombat. So we could, that's fine. We can cut this out, but I love that your note says Lawrence casting out of Arabia. Uh, no, don't cut that out because I meant to say that. <laughs> I, I, I just mentally was like, oh, yeah, I forgot to call him Lawrence casting out of Arabia. <laughs> of Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> He's legendary. Oh. <sighs> uh. <laughs> I I also want to know that, you know, besides, like, we already mentioned Terminator 2, but he also worked on two other games that I don't think I've played before. Um, one is called Strike Force. Don't know if anybody's ever heard of that one. Mm-mm. And I, I want to say he did another arcade game called The Grid, which I think I've heard of, but it's kind yes. of blurry. I don't, I can't recall if I played it, though, but I've heard of it. I don't know if I could ever find that, though. I'd have to look that up, but I didn't know that. Um, I know we we have in our notes that he des- did designs for Revolution X, which I don't know what that game is, but I looked it up and I was like, yeah, that looks similar uh, to like MK3 era. Oh, man, you don't, know, you don't know Revolution X? Huh? You don't know Revolution X? No, I never heard of that. I, I, oh, don't, I don't either. What, Jay? You know Revolution X. We talked about it. I talked about it in a very I mean, early You probably episode. talked about it. That doesn't mean we know it. Huh. It's a midway game. It was a rail shooter and as a tie-in promotion of Aerosmith. So it was a, they're in the game. Yeah, they're characters in the game. That means nothing yeah, to me. And you shoot CDs. Yeah. <laughs> it is is a hoot. And Carrie Hoskins is in it. She's a villain. Oh. oh, yeah. You know, I think, Josh, like I do, I think I remember in an earlier episode you were talking about it because you were all up on, you know, talking about Carrie Hoskins and what game she's been in. And I think you did Carrie mention Hos- that game. Oh, that is right. Yeah, so you said Yeah. I thought, yeah, well, man, Carrie Car- Ann Hoskins. I'm so yeah. used to Jay saying names wrong that even when he says it right, <laughs> yeah. I think he's saying it wrong somehow. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm the first to admit I'm pretty bad at this. Like, I can't, I can't say people's names. My, the people at my job make fun of me for it all the time. I really? believe me. Oh, this, man. oh yeah, I can't say anybody's yeah. name right. I'm awful. You should hear me. You should hear me try and pronounce German. It's outright hilarious because because <laughs> I can't do it. It's sad because you're fucking German. I know. I mean, I wouldn't know if you said it right or not. So. I'd have no idea. <laughs> but uh, I think I mentioned Res- Revolution X before, too, because that's how I got into Aerosmith, which is hilarious. That's how you got into I remember Aerosmith? you laughing at that, Jay. Yeah. I was, like, really young, and I'm like, I like them. And I went and bought their cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever heard tapes. a song from Aerosmith. Yes, you have. Dude looks like a lady. Uh, uh. Dude uh, looks like a lady? Dude walks like a lady. Dude looks like a lady. It was in the fucking Mrs. No, Doubtfire it's, it's soundtrack. J- Josh, Josh, it's dude just like a lady, not dude. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. No, dude. It's called dude just. I'm gonna look that up later. Never mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, or you know, I'm crying, crying. <laughs> this is an episode about art, and we're singing songs. Yeah, I know, right? Anyway, moving on. <laughs> But uh, yeah, he did do art in Revolution X, and it shows uh, it's got that same kind of flavor. Uh, digitized actors once again, 
And also, well, Josh, I'll let you do this because, in, like, in the note here, worth mentioning is that in MK2, because they had a bigger and better budget, he had help in that one with art, with another artist on the staff, but I'm not going to try to pronounce it. Oh, yeah, no, Tony Goski? Uh, no, the other guy, his name is Kurt, but I can't pronounce it. Oh, uh, oh, no, uh, Tony Goski is who was brought on in MK2. But, uh, yeah, the guy that you're looking at is like, I ain't fucking trying that, is uh, Kurt Shirelli, C H I A. Double R E double L I. Way, way, way better than what I would have said. So, Higher, uh, can oh, I yeah. weigh in on the uh, name of the song? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Josh is right. Yeah. Dude, oh, it's in the seas looks like a lady. That's why it was in the Mrs. Doubtfire soundtrack, Jay, because Robin Williams is walking around dressed like a lady. What so, is that song about? It's about a dude that looks like a lady. Why are they commenting on that? I don't know. Because I think the, the joke is that he's. Uh, check it scoping out someone that he thinks is is attractive woman and it turns around and there's a dude and they're like oh ah, ah, dude looks like a lady a little bit uh, politically incorrect but it was the 90s you know <laughs> 80s actually oh yeah i think i think i think part of the reason why i like you know like i can't pronounce names right because like i've just had like i grew up like with some hearing problems unfortunately so when i if something is said too fast, I hear something else than was actually being said. So when you say dude looks like a lady, I heard dude just like a lady. So which technically also makes sense because it's it's Mrs. Doubtfire and Robin Williams is trying is acting like a lady, so he's doing yeah, just like go. a lady. So Are maybe that so so that's where my brain went. Also, and that's Steven why Tyler you seen did the the lead song, the the title song for uh, Spaceship Battle Battleship Yamato, the live action one. Love hurts. Uh, oh, yeah, it was him. That's the lead singer, okay. Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Gotcha. That's where Jared okay. said, "I really don't like Steve Tyler," and I'm like, "Well, <laughs> because of that." And he, and he fell off the stage at the Super Bowl halftime because he's a fucking old man now. Yeah. Oof. Anyway, John Vogel. <laughs> John Vogel worked on Revolution X, and uh, oh yeah, so uh, Kurt Shirelli, you know. Mortal Kombat Four was pretty. Mortal Kombat was pretty much a four-man team, but they did have a little outside help. Kurt Shirelli was the guy that sculpted the Goro puppet, uh, mm. so Vogel didn't have anything to do with that except trying to animate the goddamn thing. And they sculpted it over like this wire frame, and they said that they wished they had done what uh, Shirelli apparently recommended in using an actual like skeletal armature, like a metal armature. But they were like, admittedly, they said lazy. And they just did a wire thing, so it was harder to control. But yeah, this dude sculpted it based off of Tobias's sketches. And then Vogel and the others tried to animate him like stop motion, just like old school. And then uh, they learned their lesson. I think, I don't know if Katara was, but Motaro was definitely on a proper skeletal, you know, armature. That, you know, traditional stop motion that King Kong would have been done on. But yeah, and then MK2, you know... More money, more money, more problems, and they need a bigger team. So they brought on uh, Tony Gosky to help, and he was kind of instrumental in doing the whole Outworld look, going from, you know, just the martial arts tournament to envisioning this other world. So right, right, it's right. kind of it's kind of both of their uh, responsibility, uh, mm-hmm. their legacy, to, to, to get that look, which kind of, I guess that's, that's became what Mortal Kombat's look ever since, but not really, because, well... Three got the whole futurist, you know, modern urban thing, and then five Deadly Alliance kind of went back to the the Asian martial artsy type look for a little bit there, and you know now we've just been all over. Just depends on the setting. 
Yeah, now it's just basically a. Uh, it's. I think it's evolved to the point to where it's it, it's more about just the character of each individual realm, and they keep expanding it, which I'm actually all for because you have like Earth Earth realm, Outworld, um, Katana's realm that I keep forgetting the name of, which Adenia. is from yeah Adenia. Kind of that you've also, fan already. Yeah, I know, right? Um, Terrible. But also we have like the Nether realm, which you know. We always thought, like, back in Mortal Kombat, like, at least I did, like, in, like, in Mortal Kombat 3, I was like, okay, this is hell. Like, we're just in Scorpion's realm of hell. But apparently, no, it's actually been, well, it's actually just the Nether realm. It is like, hell. You're that's in a that's realm. what hell's <laughs> called in the world of Mortal Kombat. It's called the Nether realm. I think the thing for me is that I got confused between Nether realm and Outworld. Oh, really? Like, I would think that they're kind of the same thing. Nope. For a while. Like, when I was younger, I just like, oh, there's Earth, and then there's whatever this place is. And I just, like... Sometimes I'll think it was Outworld, sometimes I think it was Nether Realm, but I don't know. I didn't know until later the difference. I find it funny that they named their studio Nether Realm and not Outworld. Because Nether Realm sounds cooler. Nether Realm sounds cooler. But also who's the character on the Nether on Nether Realm's logo? Scorpion, of course. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mascot. Yeah, that doesn't like. make sense, yeah. But also like I feel there's a lot of stuff that could be IP SEO, you know, Outworlds could be more a little more common than Nether Realm. Yeah, you're probably right. Yep. Yeah. Some somebody in a studio, somebody in a fucking boardroom probably brought that up. Yeah, probably. That's why I should be a CEO. Yeah. I'll right. be a CEO of Combat Time. We are CEOs <laughs> of Combat Time. And we have board we meetings. Though? I don't know. I haven't gotten my salary yet. <laughs> somehow yeah. I'll, somehow I'll, I'll, Neil is still the CEO of Combat Time. I don't know how the... He's not the CEO of Combat Time. Oh, he has the Combat <laughs> Time clock. There is the CEO of Mortal Kombat uh, Twitter out there. Oh yeah, there is, huh? Or CEO of Mortal Kombat fans, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but we're the CEOs of Combat Time, unless Neil yeah. Neil's our president, I guess, since he he is sells it? the clock. I need to buy that. He clock. does sell the clock. I need to buy that clock. Yeah. So basically, if you if you ever decide to give money to Combat Time, it's not even going to go to us. It's going to go to Neil because he's the CEO. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck. We need to make. It and Neil's going to distribute it how, however he sees fit, and we're going to be like, oh. <laughs> How what do we, we get this wrong somehow? I don't know how we messed up, but we did something wrong here. Yeah. Well, we're not. Well, well, neither one of us are entrepreneurs, so I think that's probably the reason why. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of an entrepreneur. I make money. I'm, we all have our side hustles. That's entrepreneurship right there. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I like to think of myself as more of a John Vogel type. I'm just the guy that like I do stuff, but I work for one company forever, and you, I just like. But do you stuff haven't worked for company. one company forever, Jay. No, but I would be that type. Like, um, I wouldn't just. I, like if my company was actually like cool and not like bad, like the companies I've worked at in the past, if I worked for cool. say, yeah, it is we now. Won't say, but don't I had say, to, don't 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 out yourself. I, I won't. Company. But I mean, I had to go through like three different companies to get there. So I mean, like it was it was a ride. Like I just always think it's always kind of fascinating when you look at people like um, like John Vogel, who they go to art school, they leave college, and then whatever job that they get, like right out of college, they stay there forever. And apparently, he's happy there because I can tell you, in this day and age, oh, that so does not happen. Yeah. That absolutely does I, not happen. I will at sum all. it up so, to it was a different time. <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's got to be pretty cool to still be working in the company with your bro that you worked on, you know, your flagship game with back, you know, yeah. 30 years ago or whatever. 
I would like to think it works um, too, because obviously when you make games like that together, you develop a trust with making sure that deadlines are met, that the pipeline is still checked, that the art, you know, that that the quality is where you want it to be, mm-hmm. and you know, of course, you add more people into it, but that core group that's there to sort of like you know nurture everything the way it needs to be nurtured is still always there. It doesn't go through crazy shakeups or anything. So when looking at that, considering that like. You know, Tobias, Boone, um, Forden, and uh, Vogel were all there, like making those three games, and they just kept going even after that. Like, I think it's, I think it's more impressive the more I think about it that Mortal Kombat is still the franchise it is today because it's actually kept a level of consistency. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of heartwarming itself. too. Not that there probably hasn't been fights. You know, I like that they all pretty much don't know about any drama. They've all pretty much worked together. And, you know, Tobias left, but it wasn't in bad blood. He, he went and done his own thing, and he's still friendly of Boone. Versus, like, you know, the Doom crowd, where, like, the giant fallout with John Romero and all that. And just the, if you've never read about, like, the drama with that, it's crazy. So, I've actually never read it. Yeah, it's... Uh, I know there's a whole book about it, but... I mean, it. it's... If you've seen The Social Network, it's the same type of shit. You know, you get friends getting involved really? in business, and they try and fuck each other over. Yeah, or, or personalities that don't mix end up, you know, not working out. It's 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 an interesting saga to read up about. Yeah, let's let's try not to do that. Yeah. Oh no, we won't. How how much fucking drama can we get making a podcast, dude? <laughs> You'd be surprised, dude. Unless yeah, we get give it time. <laughs> when, when we have our uh, fucking YouTube channel and uh, live appearances and, and tournaments and movie cameos, then there might start to be some some competition going between us. Let's hope we never get there. Wait, no. Let's be successful, but. Let's be friends. Let's screw each other over. Yeah. And also, like, I guess I'll mention this because, this, Josh, apparently you found this, and I. this is something I had zero clue about, but apparently John Vogel has a webcomic called Skitter. He does, yes. About, about a cartoon spider. Like, did you actually get to see that? Cause I looked at a couple. I, I, I uh, didn't see it. I looked at a couple strips, and I read an interview. He does a cute thing where he interviews his fans. Uh, so I, I just read one or two, but... Uh, yeah, I guess it's just something he started to do. Actually, I think I have a note. He started it in 2015. So, you know, I guess he just wanted to do a little something on his side just for himself, just his own art. And it's, you know, it's a cute, it's a webcomic. <laughs> it's a cute little webcomic. And it's about, you know, the lives of insects. Uh, title, Not the title character. Skitter is just a name. But, you know, there's a spider and there's an ant and a mosquito. And, you know, self-insert human character and, you know, just social commentary it's like your typical web web comic thing but you know let's go cool. he, he gets to do his own mm-hmm. thing on the side and it's that it's cool yeah yeah i think that's great because one thing that just kind of hit me is that like i like uh just from our own research in both previous episodes and this and also just from growing up with little combat i at least you know can recall seeing ed boone do interviews and even tobias doing interviews dan ford and not so much but i've at least heard the name more and more because of course he's responsible for the music i've never heard of john vogel actually giving i read a couple dan dan ford interviews for a music episode so and i listened to one so he's done interviews but yeah john vogel has not and if he has i haven't found them i found a, a long video of him at an award show of just him walking around with a camera interacting with people, but it's long and it's not illuminating. It's just him fucking around for two hours. Uh, mm-hmm. The only interview is him interviewing his fans for Skitter. So he is, he's, he's integral to Mortal Kombat. He's a founding father, but he is kind of more in the shadows, 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 you know? <laughs> yeah. He's really in the background. Pun intended. L- literally. Yes. <laughs> in some cases, very literally because a severed head, 
is at the bottom of the pit too. Yeah. So, you know? yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like I think I remember hearing about that because, like, what I think, like in in one stage in Mortal Kombat three, it's the graveyard stage because I think Everyone's I don't think his name is on, is on there, but yeah, but Ed Boon's name is on one of the tombstones, I think, as yeah. well as, and I think someone else, and I think it is Dan Forden, I, I think so. So it's just the fact that, like, I like all the fun that you can have with like like with that sort of Maybe stuff. Maybe there should be a new secret character. We have Noob Cybot. Maybe there should be a uh, combination of Forden and Vogel's name. Which am I literally gonna have to type out in front of me because I'm a visual person? Actually, no. Honestly, dude, if you're gonna do that, I would just name the character Vogel. Like that's a that's a cool name by itself. Just name. I it guess Vogel. we gotta do something a little creative. Let's see, Vogel and Forden. So be called Nedroth Legoff. <laughs> there you go. What? That's, <laughs> that sounds. That's that, Forden that and Vogel like, backwards. That sounds like the Mortal Kombat version of Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, it does. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I like that. So it'd be a giant vulture thing or something. I don't know. <laughs> Actually, that I mean, would be funny if it was a giant, like, scary-looking vulture. I'd be like, oh, God, that's too perfect. They deserve their legacy as a character. Yes, yes. But yes, if not, do. yeah, their, their names do show up. Just like Ed Boon, Tobias Boulevard or whatever stops on the subway stage, which, incidentally, uh, Vogel has said somewhere, not sourced, but uh, subway is his favorite stage, personally. And, I can, and see I can see why. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's um, there's a lot like that stage has a good bit of character. It honestly, even looking at it when we were playing Mortal Kombat games on emulator, uh, just basically for doing like research, the subway honestly still reminds me of New York City. New York City subway still kind of looks like that. So mm. yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I can see why it's dingy and scary. Like someone's gonna yep. come out and throw you on the tracks or uppercut you on the tracks, as it were. Yep. Yeah, it still it still has the same vibe, man. I mean, you know, that stuff doesn't really it gets maintained obviously, but it, but they don't really change the look of it over time. Right. So so, so it still kind of looks like that. I think I'll just go ahead and say though that since that's his favorite stage, I think mine easily of any Mortal Kombat stage period is definitely um jade's desert just because i always used yep. to love seeing cyrax in the background struggling in the sand because you know two people are fighting and there's a struggling cyrax in the background and that. you know and what gets me every time which is why i think these stages just you know have such importance is that as i'm concentrating on not dying and not getting fatality my thought is like what happened to cyrax that he would be struggling in the sand like what's the story behind this was he just walking out there did he not realize that oh hey i'm a robot this is a bad idea to walk in sand if you beat uh if you beat mortal kombat 3 of cyrax like me because he was my main until scorpion got added back in that's his ending is uh he fulfills his programming and he's got nothing left to do and or no, Sub-Zero might reprogram him. And either way, he's he's fritzed out and he, he is without guidance and he wanders and gets lost in the desert. And it wasn't Jade's mm-hmm. desert yet because she wasn't in the game. So just got lost in the desert. Yeah, and, and then also, um, I always thought it was really cool in Mortal Kombat 2 when you fight um, basically in Shao Kahn's arena, you're there and you're like, oh, it's Mortal Kombat 2, but you see that Sonya and Kano are like basically standing or basically like being held hostage there. And I admit when I first played Mortal Kombat 2, I wasn't really thinking about it. I just thought those were like two random people until someone that I was playing one day pointed it out. And I'm like, oh yeah, that is true. Because I never played with Kano and Sonya in Mortal Kombat 1 like back in the day. My my, my two characters were pretty much only Sub-Zero, Johnny Cage with like a splash of Scorpion 
And then I realized I didn't like Scorpion because everybody was playing Scorpion. <laughs> so I never played with Sonya or Kano like back then. So you just, so just kind of seeing them in two. Yeah seeing, yeah, seeing them in two, though, I was like, oh, that's a really cool Easter egg. So these characters are technically in the game. They're just not playable. Not just they're, an Easter egg. It's, it's storytelling because the story yeah. is they got kidnapped by Shang Tsung and are held captive in Outworld. And just like Cyrax in the background of the desert, that's that's an example of trying to, you know, with before we had a story mode, they just, you know, put the story in, in, in the background and stuff like that. And it was great. Yeah. And I like how... Their animations in the stage uh, stages evolve, like not only from where they were in Mortal Kombat two, which I always thought was neat, but I really love it in three. Like because you, you know the uh, what is it uh, the stage that's called like the bank when you uppercut them through it and they're on the roof, then you get to see Shao Kahn's tower sucking all the souls in the yeah. background, and you actually get to see that move. And that's part of um, the story too. That's you know that's story happening in the background as you're fighting. Yep, as you're fighting. And stuff like that is just, to me, is neat. Because it gives you, it actually adds some stakes to it. Can you imagine if you get the forethought, or I'm sorry, the other uh, the forward of Mortal Kombat 3, where Shao Kahn resurrects his wife and then decides to just suck all the souls out of the earth. You get all this, all these glorious screenshots about what he's doing. And then most of your fight basically happens in like a sewer or like a tournament arena that's closed off and you don't actually get to see... The ramifications of what's happening to the world outside. Yeah, I that mean, would be kind like, of lame. It, yeah, it would be kind. It would definitely be lame. So this stuff does absolutely matter to actually really kind of make an impact and give you a sense of stakes, you know, for your game. And the way that they do the colors in it also works too. Like I think it's a great idea because you know it's a classic complementary um, color contrast when you're when your whole world is post-apocalyptic and there's demons flooding everything, your brain is going to naturally uh, probably look at that as some kind of dark color, like usually like a red or a black of, or like an orange of some type. So you're thinking inherently warm colors. So of course, you know, with the sucking of the soul, so you can have some bright light through it, that they just chose green. And green is going to naturally be complementary to red because that's the color yeah. they went with. So that contrast is there. So it's very easy. That's a good so it's point. Visually appealing. I don't know if that's yeah. why they chose green to be soul color or not. Because well, I mean, it appears in two when Shang Tsung sucks your soul. It's green energy. Yep. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's your soul sucked. You get your soul sucked. Uh, I mean, I mean, the contrasting thing was a conscious decision as as early as two because you know they said. The whole point of the characters being, you know, simple color, you know, palettes and all that versus what we call over design nowadays is because, you know, it helped them stand out against the backgrounds and they specifically chose certain colors that would stand out against theirs. So maybe, yeah, maybe the green is part of that. Yeah. There's a lot of thought that goes in that. And actually just going through a lot of like some of the, probably some people's more favorite stages, there's... There's a lot of predominantly warm colors in a lot of these stages. Like, obviously, the stage of hell is going to be warm color oh, yeah. because it's hell. But the neat thing about that is that they basically use um, the composition of a classic gradient where they go really light at the bottom and then they gradually fade darker as it goes up, mm -hmm. though they actually kind of like push the gradient a bit more, a bit more saturated towards the bottom. And of course, you have like a sort of lightly rock stage that you're fighting on, just so you don't think like, are we fighting in lava? <laughs> <laughs> and you realize you're on actual ground. <laughs> and then also like what the prison and the soul room and stuff like that, oh, like all that is using dark, warm colors. And I think that's just because a lot of the Mortal Kombat characters are just. 
a little oversaturated uh, to begin with. Like they don't have a lot of like moody lighting on them in particular as compared to the stages. So they just naturally are gonna stand out more. And that's probably by design too, just so you can see them. I always thought just that was neat because the last thing you want, you don't want your characters that are fighting on a stage to blend in with the environment. Um, no. I think just kind of notoriously, even though this is kind of like inherent in the game, but whenever you guys you know, complain about Smash Brothers sometimes because there's so much shit going on that you, you lose track of your character. You don't know where they are. Yeah, and that's yeah. partially because there's so many goddamn characters in the screen, too. But, yep. you know. but a part of that is because there's so many other colors and other objects moving around on the stage that all that flashiness and all that contrastiness and all that colors just going like coming together is creating a natural blur that your eyes are not going to be able to sort of like tell one from the other and then you're just going to lose track of where your character is. So a lot of that does have to do with the inherent problem that there's just too much going on on the screen and everything just kind of blends in. But with Mortal Kombat stages, they keep it pretty focused on keeping the backgrounds in mostly geometrically straight lines. And you can see this echoed throughout it, like the, uh, the Living Forest is a lot of straight parallel lines going down. The pit is just one like is one flat stage and there's basically a sky, but the sky is not busy. There's like a couple of clouds and a moon, but that's it. You know, the bank is mostly gray with pillars going straight down. Even some of the stages in Mortal Kombat 1 are like this too. Shang Tsung's um, throne room, where he's just sitting down chilling, it has those like pillars with some dragon designs on them that are just yellow and red, but those go straight down to create like a naturally eye-appealing geometric shape because your characters are anything but that because they're jumping all around. Right. If you had zigzaggy lines for your art everywhere going like going all over the time it would be too busy and then you're liable to sort of forget like wait is my character over here what's going on over here like it would probably be a bit harder for the eye to naturally disconnect the stage from the characters that are fighting because you want the background to be simple enough that when you're concentrating on the fight it's there it's visually appealing but it's visually simple too you don't want it busy right and i think that's where i'm really starting to notice in this game like uh, when I was doing research on it, like how how interesting this is, because it's everywhere, man. Even the stage where, what is it? I, I don't, I forget what it's called, but it's the stage where you see like the evil demon face. The souls are going in its mouth. The, the its eyes are lit up green. Yeah, the skull chamber soul room. Chamber. If you just yeah, if you just look at that stage, it's got arches, and guess what? It's got pillars that go straight down, you know, or that that are just very parallel. The same thing with the like with like with the stage of hell. There's the lava, and there's you know you know the background. There's like some tunnels there, but there's a whole line of skulls that are basically in pillars that are everywhere that yeah. just go straight down. So this is a this is a theme. Even the even the stage that we mentioned earlier with the portal where you have the floating monks and stuff, there's straight line pillars there too. So they're doing this. They're just kind of copying this, you know, from one stage almost to another as just a general theme of keeping things busy enough to where it's, you know, you can feel like it's not empty, but also not making it overly complicated so you can actually still focus on your characters. Yeah. That composition, that mindset that keeps going from stage to stage is actually creatively smart because you have to think about that when two characters are going to be focusing on fighting each other and not get sort of disconnected by the stage. Basically, just to kind of finish my thought out, the way composition in each stage tends to work 
and how it relates, you know, to fighting games in general, even going back as even going far back as like Street Fighter 2, is that you want your stage to have character, but you need to find that balance to make sure that the colors of the stage feel kind of at least decently monochromatic when you squint your eyes a little bit. If you can see like one color, that's probably a good thing, because then if your characters are not that color too much, they will stand out naturally. Um, and then also you want it to be busy enough to where it looks like that there's stuff going on there, but not too much stuff going on there. An overly busy stage is not really going to help you. Like you've seen, a, uh, here's a good example. One thing I think that is that I don't think we've ever criticized Mortal Kombat 11 for too much, but I kind of wish I would have now, is that I've always kind of complained that, that parts and the stages of Mortal Kombat 10 and 11, it's just very easy just to kind of, accidentally jump off an object and do a super jump when you didn't mean to or grab like so yeah or grab an object that maybe maybe you wanted to do a different special move but because that object was flashing briefly you grab that and you're like oh i didn't mean to grab that and i'm sitting here thinking the entire time like why does the stage need to have this much stuff in it it's not inherently bad because i can still see my characters but if it's that freaking busy, it kind of makes me, it kind of destroys the mood a little bit for me. And I kind of feel like 10 and 11 at times, some of their stages are just a bit too much. And I wish they were a little bit simpler um, to a degree. But that's just like a sort of picky criticism of it. But that's just, but honestly, that kind of lays out just my final thoughts on stage composition, how busy to keep it, and why it matters, particularly in Mortal Kombat. It's actually something when I play the old games that... I can't, I can't unsee it. I, I think it's great. Like, I think it's great every single time I play it. And it always makes me realize, okay, cool. They really created like a whole interesting world that inherently makes you want to know more about it and how it happened. It's always cool when a stage can actually help contribute to the story of the game. Like always. Oh, for sure. For so. sure. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Thinking back, like, uh, like favorite stages. I don't know. I, I went through all the stages and tried to, to make notes on the ones that, stood out to me because there's going to be some that stand out without having me look at anything that, you know, I remember. And of course everyone remembers the pit and all that, but looking through it, I don't know if I have a favorite, favorite stage. Like there's some that I like more than others. Like I love uh, the portal stage where we keep mentioning the, the priests and all that. I like it because, well, the portal shows up two more times. It shows up in MK3 and ultimate MK3, but the MK2 one is the only one that has, if you look in the background, well, one, it has the priests, but it also has little foot hovering foot platforms that lead all the way to the, the portal, which yeah. is a neat, like, little imaginative, you know, world-building detail. It's like, you know, this is where you walk up and you go to Earthrealm or whatever. The other two don't have that. So I thought that was, uh, like, a detail that's just so great. It's also uh, funny to note that the portal in uh, Ultim MK3 so in MK3, there was a red portal, much like MK2, but it didn't have the priests, it didn't have the platforms, and it had wrecked buildings in the background. In MK, Ultima MK3, there's a blue portal instead, and you're on a bridge that I think is uh, like the, the Pit 3 bridge or whatever. And the funny thing about that stage is it has a name, and it's not blue portal. Uh, one of the alternate names is a lost bridge, but the official name is Sislak Thusserez. <laughs> What? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's an anagram of classic Sub-Zero, because that's how you access them at that stage. 
Oh dear God! <laughs> right, me. Wow. I know. I was like, "What the fuck's this?" I never what? heard of that. It was classic Sub Zero. I had no I, idea. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That okay. <laughs> the, they love their backward names yep. in Mortal Kombat. Apparently. You know what? <laughs> because I've only played like I've played more M- Ultimate MK3 than MK3. I don't remember a lot of the MK3 level. Well, th- this is an Ultimate MK3 level. No, I know. That's the one I know. But then now I'm look I'm looking at the MK3 portal level. I've never seen that before. Yeah, I, I rarely see it too. And I think boy, same with like Noobs, Noobs uh, Dorfin. Oh yeah, which is I mentioned. That Forden? No, you know, and you know what? I and looked up the fucking word Dorfin because in our MK3 episode, I said whatever that is. Yeah, I can't find the definition of a Dorfin except as uh, there's an actual fucking city called Dorfin. Maybe it is Forden backwards. That don't make no fucking sense. Uh. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at the word Ford, and right now I see Dorfin in it. The, the fucking the maniacs. <laughs> I mean, it says noobs Dorfin, so yeah, Boons Forden, Boons Forden. <laughs> um, which I, I to bring up too. I think I incorrectly stated that's Mataro stage two. Those two blend together for me because there's Mataro stage, which mm. uh, is actually called uh, like the Well or something like that. Let me see. No, it's called the Balcony. It's got some of that green, like Jay was mentioning, in the background, like these green wells and stuff like that. It's kind of like Goro's Lair, only a lot more detailed. And there's a statue of Mataro. Noob's there's more lamps. Yeah. And Noob's Dorfin is like, it's like the background of Mataro's Lair. It's like if you were to walk into the background. I always thought them as the same stage, but they're two different stages. Yeah, it does seem like you would go through the arch of the other stage and land in Noob's Dorfin. Dorfin, yeah. Oh, noobs Dorfin. What a weird thing. But uh, neither of those <laughs> are my favorite stages. It's actually funny looking through all the stages. I think my favorite two stages are actually from the N64 version of MK Trilogy. <laughs> really? I, yep. Um, because I. I was. Go ahead. I was just going to ask, like, because I've never played Trilogy. We're like. God, I like I forget this. Were, like, were there new stages in Trilogy? That, there weren't that... technically. They were all just, you know recycled stages you know you visit all the locales you visit the courtyard and all that you may remember uh remember me mentioning in hell i mentioned it in the dan forden episode perhaps but i know i mentioned it in the mk3 episode that in the n64 version of the pit instead of the the clouds blowing by uh that you recall and the moon it's a black starry sky it's like markedly different and there's another stage in MK Trilogy called oh, the, I see it. Yeah, the yeah. Star Bridge, which is similar, but it's just this completely black, not like, you know, smoky blue, midnight blue, just black and thousands yeah. of stars, glittery stars. It looks storybooky, kind of childlike. I don't know. It, it, I, there's something whimsical and, and magical about it. I don't know. I like the look of the, the Star Bridge and the pit in, in MK Trilogy. I like the stars. Mm-hmm. That's a real weird thing, and I don't know. That's only in the N64 version, too, and I don't think John Vogel had a part in that. Probably was a localization team, but I just I just like that look. I always got to have the weird opinion. Mm, I don't know. One of the stages that always comes to mind when I think of MK3 or Ultimate is Subway. And yeah. I've always liked Even when we got Subway in MK9, I, that was one of my favorite levels in it. Because I just, I don't know. It just, something about it feels like modern but i think it's just imagine what if you're walking on the subway and you saw two ninjas fighting i've often thought that in the yeah. stadium. 
well, hey, it's like when, when me and Jay, we'd always walk around near where when we worked close together or when we were in Chicago and we walked past an alley and Jay would always point and be like, man, could you imagine? That, that's, a, that's a Mortal Kombat stage right there. Yeah. Actually, actually, Josh, if you remember when you seen you and myself were in Chicago that one time, we went under this like that tunnel bridge, right? on, our way, uh, on the way to Chinatown. And my first thought that I said to both of you was like, this place, this place is worthy of Mortal Kombat. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you can already but imagine. I would say, oddly enough, another stage that I always think of, I mean, obviously, like Living Force is one of those like iconic ones that I always remember. But like the combat tomb, for whatever reason, that one always sticks out to me. Combat I like tomb. I like the I like the design of it. Which are you talking about an MK two with the spikes up top? MK two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The spikes at the top, yeah. That one's in and it's got it's some simple it's got some but... role building in the background because there's that pterodactyl the red sky and the pterodactyl flying there. So it makes you wonder like what kind of wildlife is in that world. Which is interesting because like I did, we didn't have that in the Sega version. Probably not, yeah. <laughs> so when I saw when I played the arcade version I noticed that I was like, Oh, this is weird. But yeah, I don't know. Something about it just like, I think maybe it's just because they're earlier stages in the game. It's one of the, it's the second playing. stage you see. It's pretty simple. It's yeah. got a cool stage fatality and uh, it feels I fantastical. Did, like, yeah. Also the street level. In MK3? Just, like, it felt like, huh? In MK3? Yeah. Yeah. That one's really cool. Uh, the one that's that trips me out all the time though is the bank because it's just weird that you're fighting in a bank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I never, I never got the bank feeling from that stage. <laughs> I always thought we were just fighting at like I don't know, like like the top floor of like a hotel or something. Top and then of you Bell just bust someone. Yeah, or yeah, yeah or like no, or some like, corporate headquarters or something. Like I never really got bank from that. You know, stage. it's a bank in a big city, so they got multiple levels and all that. I guess. And and once again, Shao Kahn's tower and soul portal is out there in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I always like maybe if they had put like a vault or something in there to make it think, oh, that's a bank. Yeah. If they did if they did it in 3D, they probably could have included that. Uh, it's another yeah. interesting thing to note. It's like several stages have, have gotten the jump to 3D because let's see, the Living Forest and many others appeared in MK4 Subway. and Deadly Alliance. Subway showed up in, I believe show, Subway showed up in Armageddon too. With varying degrees of success, I kind of like the Living Forest in MK4. It feels like you're in the forest, but then they bring it back again. I think I'm like uh, Deception or Armageddon. And it's literally you're just on a square platform, and there's trees feel like they're more in the background. It doesn't feel like it's successfully Isn't translated. It's also to in 3. 9 and 10, or 9 or 10. It's in 9, yeah. Now with the ability to do a stage fatality and throw somebody into the mouths of one of the trees. Which is cool. Oh, yeah. I, I like how the tree smiles, too. Like, as it's chewing your body to, I guess, Are like, the, even though you're kind of already dead. It, like, it smiles at you before it says fatality. Yeah. Are the, uh, what do you call it? Are the trees in MK9 still, like, at Boone? I, I don't think so. I, I want to say I don't think so because they just modded them 3D. But, you know, I'll we'll have to go back and play 9 again. Don't you have 9 on your computer still? I have it on my computer, yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I also have the PS3 version. Just do a quick Google search, Googley search. Just don't have a PS3. Damn. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I also just want to mention that my least favorite stage mm. out of all the stages, because it's, it's very easy for me, is um, it basically is the boss is the boss arena from, from MK1 um, because it literally just is a sewer. Um, it's Goro's lair, but it just reminds me of a sewer. And you fight Shang Tsung there, too. I don't like that one, no. It feels boring. 
Um, it's probably it's like to me it's the most boring stage because mm. you work so hard to get to Goro and you're expecting like a a really kind of cool like arena and it just looks like a sewer. And then the fact that you fight Shing Song like there like right afterwards because you don't go anywhere because it's just it's all it's it's you you go from one battle to another. You know I never I never really dug it. And in Mortal Kombat One you have to fight like all the all the enemies and then when you do. Goro just drops down. So you're in you're there three fights in a row. Yeah, you're in there three fights in a row, and it would be fine if it felt like it deserved for deserved for you to be there for a long time. But I just never really dug it. I mean, they made up for an MK2 though, because Shao Kahn's arena where you fight him that just makes sense. And the yeah, fact that epic. the sprite is no longer in the chair because you're actually fighting him, which of course makes sense. I always thought that was just cool, and then, and that felt a bit more because you fight Kentaro there too. And just seeing all the people in the background and just, you know, the throne and everything. I always thought that was neat. But in MK1, man, that sewer stage, yeah, not a fan of it. I kind of like Guru's Lair because uh, the eyes in the background watching yeah. you, that's mm-hmm. creepy as it fuck. It felt creepy to me, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the skeleton, of course, in the wall, a little bit of, you know, stage setting. But it's I will agree, you fight... It's not an epic stage, and you fight it three matches in a row to the end of the game. So I, I feel you a little bit there, but ain't nothing as epic as, as the courtyard. Or I'm sorry, the, the battle arena, which, you know, like Neil said, he's sick of fucking seeing it. And I can understand because after that, uh, let's see, it showed up again in uh, Battle Arena? Yeah, it's called Battle Arena is its official name. In which one? In two? Yeah, uh, Cons Arena. It's Cons Arena. I think it's officially called the Battle Arena, but Cons Arena. Uh, I know it showed up again in the 3D era games at some point, I think. And then we know it showed up in MK9, you know, since they redid all the stages. It kind of showed up in 10, only this time it was Codal Cons Coliseum or whatever. And it was where they, you know, you see the the beasts Uh, of burden moving the columns and stuff in the background. Total and then it showed up in uh, fucking Battle of the Realms. And it's just like, okay, we get it. You know? Yeah, just the whole, like, yeah, like, gladiator-type arena. Just boring. But, I mean, it makes sense for something like Mortal Kombat, you know, which is basically, you know, fictionalized yeah, I mean, gladiator it's like, stuff. It's like Star Wars always going to Tatooine. Yeah, or another desert planet called yeah. Jakku. Right, yeah, yeah. Another, like, like, another stage that even though I feel like it's a... Uh, it's it's not my favorite, but I always thought it could be a, a little bit more creative. It, and again, it's from Mortal Kombat 1. It's the stage where you're fighting and you see the statues of all the playable characters. It's cute. Oh, I like that it's, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cute. Um, it's cute, but I kind of I want it to be like a little bit more than just that. But I also have to kind of like not press it too hard because even back in Mortal Kombat 1, they're still dealing with certain limitations in terms of color palettes. So... I can I can forgive it. So, I, uh, but I still wanted to mention it because I'm like, eh, this could. Uh, I kind of wanted this to be better because Shang Tsung's throne room is just a wash with color. It's got like you know pillars and golden dragons everywhere and stuff. It looks neat. And the courtyard but, is just kind of, or I'm sorry, the statue garden is kind of a little bit more monochromatic. I'm glad you mentioned that though because this is something I wanted to bring up. Yeah. Is as a kid playing and this focuses on the differences like you you said you seen you know the, the stages get downgraded more than so than the music that's mm-hmm. one of them that for me it did because i always thought as a kid playing on the super nintendo that that was indoors that it was a hallway somewhere oh it's a cor- moon? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a you know statue garden outside. As I discovered playing the crypt in MK11, where you revisit that exact area and it's outside. And I'm like, oh, because yeah, there's there's no moon. There's some mountains and stuff that are supposed to be in the background that I yeah. think some of them are missing. And trees like, too. If you look, there's still some trees and shrubbery, but, you know, just kind of, you know, translates as something else. And I always just thought it was a hallway inside when it turns out it's supposed to be. Yeah. So, and also begs the question, why do they have statues of fighters who are currently fighting in the tournament? Like Jay says, you think they would have, you know, past, you know, champions and stuff like that. But, you know, limitations. The movie made up for that by giving us some imaginative combatants. Yeah, like it makes sense because, you know, like I said, like it's it's cute. It's just like, okay, you know, the legendary fighters that everybody's you keep saying playing that word. Against. I don't know if I call it cute, but I like I like oh, because so it's cute. It's cute. I mean, I like that's the only word I can think of that kind of matches my mood towards it because it's just like, ah, ha, ha. The characters are in the are statues in the background while you're fighting currently because they're so legendary. I'm like, yeah, it's cute. Like <laughs> that's the that's the only word I can like bring to my head for it. That works. Yeah. I'm trying to look at a screenshot of it. I want to see what the SNES version looked like. Yeah, good luck. Because uh, I think I was trying to relook at it and compare it. I think the the most results you're going to get is a YouTube video that you're going to have to go look up. Also mentioning like the bank again, which I always found that was funny, that kind of confused me, um, is that the bank, if you look on the floor, it has the Mortal Kombat logo on it. Like, why yes, would a it bank, does. Why would the bank have the Mortal Kombat logo well, on it? Did maybe we that's talk the, about the no. Kombat logo? The merger of the realms. The combat what? Did we talk about we the did. I, I mentioned very briefly that John Vogel was responsible okay. for for designing it. And not much to the story except that, you know, doing sketches and stuff like that. And he kept having this uh, sketch of the dragon that supposedly, I want to say his daughter, but I don't think he had a daughter at that time. But somebody said it looked like a seahorse. Yeah. Uh, or his girlfriend, maybe. Either way, I, now I feel bad I didn't look up that story, but that's like a story that everyone knows. It looks like a fucking seahorse. What, what are you looking at? Yeah, I found screenshots of the SNES version. Oh, it's just a blue background. Yeah, I mean, there there is some foreground stuff going on there, but it's not enough to translate that this is supposed to be outside. Outside, yeah. Yeah, so I always thought it was a hallway. But yeah, Mortal Kombat Dragon logo looks like a seahorse, but Vogel went through with it anyway. Uh, there might have been some small little changes to spikes. I heard someone online saying, like, what the fuck have they done with the logo lately? They took out two of the spines and it looks weird. I haven't done a comparison yet. <laughs> but, you know. I mean, it's an iconic dragon logo, and it does feel weird that the 2021 movie redesigned it. And I'm like, no, that's not right. I I am fine with it, because I was like, yeah, let the movie, like... Yeah, it had its own identity, but nothing yeah. is more hype than seeing the exact logo that you know surrounded by fucking flames and spinning before you in the opening credits. I mean, you know? the MK9 one is pretty much exactly the same, just with more texture. Oh, yeah, they did kind of redesign the 9 one, but they, they went back since. Now we just got the classic Mortal Kombat dragon all the time. So which is the one that was different? I don't know. I think somewhere around Armageddon. I didn't I didn't do further research on that. I didn't bother looking it up because I don't care. <laughs> I still think, I still think my favorite... Are missing. I still think my favorite version of the logo, though, is is how it looked in um, on the cover of Mortal Kombat too. Just the lightning just does it. Oh yeah. I, mean, I always thought I always thought it looked the best. It's like the Batman Tim Burton nineteen eighty nine poster that doesn't even have the title Batman on it. It just has the Bat logo. That's all you need to know. Mortal Kombat two. All you see is the dragon logo on a stormy sky. That's all you need to know. It's yeah, fucking I think Mortal it's Mortal Kombat. 
I think it's more effective that way. And the yeah. fact that John Vogel created the dragon logo. I mean, yeah, like that's that's pretty iconic. Yeah, man. And people don't talk about John Vogel enough. This guy created the most iconic fucking, you know, imagery to sell the game right there. If you think about the games that are in, you know, that are competitors to Mortal Kombat. Street Fighter. I feel like a lot of them have changed their logos a lot. Yeah, Street Fighter definitely has. Whereas Mortal Kombat has kind of been consistent. Uh, well, at least the logo, the, the dragon logo, has always been there. Yeah, the fonts sort of stayed the same too. It's always kind a serif kind of metallic font. Yeah. I mean, just look at the, you know, our our, our Combat Time logo. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I feel like other ones have, you know, they don't have a symbol. Yeah, they don't. Like, Street Fighter doesn't really have a symbol. No. Yeah, they really kind of don't. It, like, usually if you if they have any symbol at all, it's just going to be the word abbreviated. You're going to see SF, and it's going to be in that sort of uh, ink, like, ink brushstroke style. Yeah, I like, hate that they're doing that now. That That's very particular of Street... Yeah, not, yeah, not anymore. They did it for Street Fighter 4, but... I, uh, I saw the Street Fighter 5. Was it, is that the new one, or is it 6? 6 is coming out. 6. Well, I, well, 6 is coming out, but yeah, they, what people they compared changed it, it up to. in 6. It looks like eSports slash, like... A skateboarding brand or something like that. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, not every game gets to have a logo. How many game franchises can you think that have a logo, you know? It's like Mario Brothers doesn't have a logo, you know? But... I do distinctly remember. No, what's his logo? I guess except for the little M, M icon. Yeah, or, or, it, like or it's the M, dude. Dude, it's the M. Now, granted, I don't think that was always the case, but like for example, I mean, that's Bowser. Never the name of the game, though. Bowser has his own logo, and actually, well, if, yeah, every Smash character has their own little icon for Smash. But you know, people don't know. They look at that and they think Bowser. You know, it's like, what is Bowser's logo? Can you I would tell say me? Zelda does, right? Zelda technically does as a Triforce. Everyone knows the, what the Triforce is, but it's not always. It's not in the title of every yeah. game. Like it doesn't have a, a title, title card. Logo, yeah, it uh, is sometimes, but you know, Metro Metroid technically has it because it's the screw attack symbol. Yeah, which strangely, uh, but I don't think of that when I think of Metroid. As far I as I mean, like, a lot of people do though, because it is pretty much the Metroid symbol. It's for Prime, like it just comes up, and you know, it's Metroid. What is this? It's it's the like a Samus ball with like a lightning bolt Z. It has like a cartoony lightning bolt in the middle of it. Yeah, I don't know why that became the symbol for Metroid too. Oh, that thing. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Still not as iconic as the Mortal goddamn fucking. It's not every title though. Yeah, you're no. right. It's not. It's kind. Of, they've they've incorporated it into more titles of Metroid in later games, but like I know it wasn't the in Prime Metroid games One and Fusion. Yeah, but it wasn't in Metroid 1, 2, or Super. I know that much. But then again, Metroid does have a font that's pretty much always been there. Once again, a serif font. Might even be the same family as the Mortal Kombat font. And I do clearly remember the Street Fighter 2 logo with its brushstroke and the rainbow colors. Like, that very iconic to me. Until they started to do a bunch of lame shit with a, yeah, fucking uh, 4 and 5, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Companies that redesign their logos every... You know, by the way, have you seen Capcom redesign their logo? Have you seen that? No. What? No. I'm going to Google this shit and paste, post it to you. Capcom's logo, to me, iconic. You know? Yeah. It's very distinct font. Yeah, distinct with font. With the odd choice to fill in uh, the one uh, O, but not the other, or the one... I don't know. Uh, distinct logo. Some chuckle fuck thought it uh, was a good idea to redesign it. So Wait, I mean, at Capcom or just like a fan? 
No, at Capcom. They have they are revealing a new logo, dude. Where? So they're dropping like you know like what like the the blue with the uh, with the yellow outline, or is it yellow with the blue outline? Okay. It's still got uh, the same. Oh no, am I about to be a liar? Why is it not coming up? Uh, no, it's tricked. dude. Did I get fucking trolled? I think you got um, trolled. Oh no! If I did, you look this up on April on April first, Josh. Fuck it! D- <laughs> did you really? <laughs> oh my god! No, it might have been yesterday. It had to have been yesterday. No, no, this can't be happening to me. Uh, <laughs> oh, there's a Street Fighter logo. Yeah, I hate the Street Fighter Street Six logo. logo. S F. Change the subject. And a six plastered on there. God damn it! Hold on. You can't cut this out now. If it, if I did fall for an April Fool's, that's pretty hold on, funny. Hold on. No, man, I googled new Capcom logo and nothing's coming up. Never mind. No, but I'm going to look on the Twitter to see if they put it out or something. It's up with it. That would be... Nope, they didn't do it. You must have been tricked. I got tricked. You got I... a, you got April Fool, man. Wow. That's yeah, totally never mind. There is, there is no new you Capcom logo. You are, the fool. Yeah. I am the fool. It doesn't matter if you, it doesn't matter if you saw it yesterday. Someone probably posted that on April first, and you happened to see it on the second. So yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so never mind. Uh, it looked pretty. Sh- you know, it looked believable. It looked like a believable logo redesign. It was basically the same color scheme, a different font. The M was kind of stylized, and it was hard to read. But you know, companies do that shit all the time. But anyway, yeah, Street Fighter logo. Oh, hey, here, here's. Funnily enough, uh, a picture of all the Street Fighter title cards. And he has Street Fighter and Street Fighter 2. have that distinct, like somebody angrily brushed it with like a, a brush. 3 has the same thing, only with a 3 in the background. 4 and even 5 is very similar. It just got the 5 in the background. Then all of a sudden, SF. Pfft, little ink blotted 6. It looks so lame. But with Mortal Kombat, it's always going to be that dragon symbol. It's just always like, be that it, like you know, I, I think it's really cool that Mortal Kombat has was still because yeah, dude, I I actually just now realized that most most of the really famous fighting game franchise, most of them don't really have a symbol like like Smash Brothers does. It's got that simple symbol that everybody knows uh, with a circle with the lines going through it. It's got that. By the way, uh, you've seen just posted that. That's not the one I saw, but it's probably along the same joke line. I mean, that one was just like, it was a redesigned project. They just like, and that looks like absolute shit. The one I saw, I could almost accept, but like, don't, don't fix it. Ain't broke. The new Capcom, the current cap long Capcom logo is just fine. Cap long. Yeah. It's my new fighting style. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go back to what you're saying, Jack. (laughs) Nah, nah, not so, um, not so okay. But like, yeah, I can't really think of that because Tekken just has its font, but it doesn't really have like a symbol. Street Fighter doesn't have a symbol. Yeah. Um, Dead or Alive doesn't have a symbol. I, I don't think any of the King of Fighters games actually has oh, like an. Uh, here's one. Symbol. Smash Brothers has a very distinct symbol. Yeah, so I mentioned that cross. earlier. What the fuck's it? I mean, you mentioned the the Bowser having a symbol and all that, or maybe I missed the. What the fuck's that symbol even mean? What symbol? It's just a cross. The the, yeah, the yeah. Smash Brothers. Yeah, yeah. What that is is that that is the symbol of the fi- like of the final smash. They've had that technically since uh, they've had that technically since Brawl because in Brawl, why is it a cross? Huh? Why is it a cross? Now that I admit I don't know. Um, that's probably and not like a Christian cross. It's you know no, like, it's just a plus sign basically. Yeah, it's not even a plus sign. It's it's not symmetrical. It's. It's just weird. It's just a very simple logo that I wouldn't associate with because cartoon characters fighting. 
I guess because they can. Yeah, I guess because they can. But yeah, now that they've been, um, Nintendo's been using that symbol really ever since Brawl, just to be, just to associate it, uh, associate it with Smash, just to make it distinctive. Um, yeah. So like now, like if you ever, if like I guarantee you, when whenever a new Smash Brothers game is made, they're gonna use that symbol again. Although just show it's just that symbol, and then boom, like the internet will know Everyone what it knows. is. Yeah. They've kind of made it. Smash fans will know what it is. But I do kind of love that because, like, um, like now, if they release a new Mortal Kombat game that we talked about in previous episodes, all they're going to have to do is just show that dragon symbol. They won't even have to say anything. They can show the dragon symbol and a new, slightly redesigned version of it, and then explodes because Mortal Kombat 12. Yeah, just like <laughs> so. what happened to talk about the screw tap symbol. You know, what yep. was that reveal of it in Metroid Prime 4? Literally, all they did is the screen lights up and the screw attack symbol comes up and everyone loses their shit. Yep. That's all they had to do. Yep. And it, and it shows you the power of symbols and that's the power of good design and graphic design, which is, you know, we, we've been talking about John Vogel this whole episode and he's the reason why Mortal Kombat can get away with this stuff. Yeah. That's why, like, if I was John Vogel, I would recommend that, like, you know, like, when I pass away, that the Mortal Kombat symbols <laughs> put on my tombstone because I created oh, it. Oh, <laughs> dude, that would be... I don't know if he wants to be cremated or donated to science or buried, but how fucking metal would that be? Oh, that would be awesome. Mortal Kombat dragon carved into your tombstone. Yep, and I feel like he'd get away with it. But do like that. Well, yeah, really. I mean, technically, I think think Ed Boon would definitely do that. Well, technically, that stuff is owned by Warner Brothers. (laughs) That's a little morbid, but But I'm just saying, it's just like go out with a bang. I say so, but. (laughs) Like if uh, be fired out of a cannon, <laughs> but like uh, now WB owns Mortal Kombat, so WB would have to approve it because they own it. Fuck them! It's so. my final wishes, bitch. I'm the creator. I'm on the founding fathers. You're just a fucking corporation. <laughs> Fuck off, Mion. Mion. <laughs> Excuse me. We're gonna sneeze. Gesundheit in advance. Oh, you're... you know, this this could be cut out or not. It's up to you. I uh said Gesundheit at uh, one of my jobs, and someone eventually stopped me. Is like, what's that? What is that? And like Gesundheit, it's what you say when someone sneezes. You know, it's like, oh, I never heard that. And I'm like, yeah, I guess people mostly say God bless you. I, I just say Gesundheit, not out of trying to be like edgy or anything, like atheist or something like that. I just that's how I grew up. Gesundheit. Which means to your health in German. I guess they don't say it much in the South. Dude, I I started saying it because of you. Really? Yeah. Huh. Cause you like, never heard it like up in Maine or anything like no, that? No, I've, I've heard of it before, but I never used it until I heard you use it a lot. And then I started using it because like, it's kind of like a neutral ground kind of thing. It is a neutral ground. That's not why I use it. I just use it because I grew up with, you know. But I it is. It is. It. It's, it's kind of a healthy neutral ground thing. To your health. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey. hey. Get better. Yeah, I hope you live your best life. <laughs> what a way to punctuate the... that. Yeah, what a way to punctuate that. You're an idiot. God. Oh, God. All right, I'm keeping that in. That was too funny. Yeah. Oh. But uh, I get. I guess also because we uh, we like like we've kind of lightly touched on this, but I'd rather just ask the official question: What are some cool stages that that you would like to see MK? do that they haven't done before i was hoping you'd ask something like that 
Well, I need a moment to think, though. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I've got I, I've got one off the top of my head that I would like for them to do. I would love for them to do like one um, where uh, they're basically fighting on really shallow water. Like Tekken has a stage like this, like and, Infinite Azure. I love that stage, yeah. by the way. Uh, something like that, but if you're gonna do like if you're gonna do it like infinite, like where there's just nothing but shallow water, at least make the sky stupid interesting. Well, like I would make the sky it, like it, a like it's really not literally s- infinite. Infinite Azure and Tekken, there's mountains in the background. Yeah, but the, well, that, well, that's what I kind of mean. I would want something where it really just is a massive shallow water, and the sky is like all lit up with stars and like cosmic dust and stuff like that. Maybe this could be like you know a stage in um, what's the name of Katana's realm again? Atina, Adenia, Adenia, yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, Jay, small aside, uh, your favorite stage, Jade's Desert. It was called Jade's Desert in Ultima MK3, and it wasn't until nine where they they kind of developed it to where it actually. Why is it Jade's Desert, by the way? And it turns out that's actually in a that's actually a former Adenia location. Oh, cool! Oh. Now that it's outworld now, know. but yeah. So why is Cyrax there? there? Because he got lost in it. I guess he crossed over through a portal and got lost or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go back. Infinite Azure. I like it. I like it. Yeah, that would be has, what I would want. Has there been a level in space? I know we've had the Chronica thing, which I'd never understood if that's in space or not. I think it's like on the moon or something, or feels like it. So that's technically in space. But if you really wanted to go hardcore... Let's have special forces get space stations and shit like yes. that, and have a stage like on this on the fucking ship. Yeah, like, over I would looking. love that. Yeah, that'd be cool, dude. That's imaginative. I like that. Yeah, yeah. that'd be pretty cool. I mean, you know, well, <laughs> how much further can you go when you have Mortal Kombat in space? In so. Every space. franchise must go in space. <laughs> space. <laughs> but yeah, that, I like that idea. Godzilla, for example, it only took five movies for them to go in space. Uh, boy, what other franchise? Leprechaun Four went in space. Jason it took like fucking in ten space. movies. That's the next one, baby. I mean, well, no, it's not even. They did go to space. What am I saying? Yeah, yeah, they went to space. But I want them to go far, far out in space. Do it. Go to Mars. I want them to jump through a portal in Fast and Furious at some point. That's what I want, dude. That'll happen. That could happen. Yeah. I want a Doctor Strange portal to open. And then... Them, uh, them, them Tokyo Drift guys, the nerdy science guys, they can fucking develop something like that. Oh, man. They could. If anybody or, could uh, do it, it could be, uh, I forget his name. What's her face? You're thinking Taj. I'm thinking, uh, his girlfriend. Suki? No, 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 no. Not Suki. Oh, uh. He dropped her. <laughs> yeah. What's her name? What's her face? I know, right? I'm trying. I'm thinking of the character's name. You're trying to think of the actress's no, name. No, I'm right? thinking of the character's name. J- Giles, Jules, J- Cy- not Cipher. Cipher is the is Charlie's. Cipher is the Charlie's Theron. Fuck. Either way, nerdy. It was girl. a dude's name, right? But, yeah, it was a dude's name because they were like, "Oh, you're a girl." Why are we talking about Fast and Furious for more than two there's, minutes? Um, there's always time to what to talk about. Well, yeah. Either way, she's going to create a portal, or the Tokyo Drift dude that's uh, Bama Boy's friend, he's going to make a portal. Something's going to happen. They're going to go to space. I'm stalling to try to make my favorite Mortal Kombat. Ramsey! That's it. Yeah, Ramsey. Or Ramses. Okay, so I said in, in space on a space station. I love the shit out of that. I really want that. Uh, Josh? I don't know, man. I I had time to think about this, obviously. 
I'll go. Um, I'll go ahead and throw another idea, and that was a motorcycle. Okay, yeah. Um, I'll go ahead. And, I'll go ahead and throw another idea here that I think is cool. Ooh, I got one. They go haven't. Ahead. They haven't done a stage where the fight happens on something that is constantly moving either left or right, like a train. Stole it from me. Um, like a train in motion. Um, like they're fighting on top of a train while it's in motion. Mm. I think something like that would be kind of cool. Or this is. Uh, yeah, or like, or like, or this is like my this is my dumb cartoony idea because you know it's freaking um it's freaking Mortal Kombat in that world. Have them fight on top of a giant monster's head. Like, I would love to see that. <laughs> like, they're just on a giant Dude, monster's head or something. That would be great. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, God of War, yeah, yeah, I would love that. Like, let's just say it's like some outworld demon or something that like is one of Shao Kahn's like like brute infantry dudes or something because those you know that could be really cool because they could uh really fucking play with a camera perspective and just have the monster's head continually like swinging so like if you get motion sickness easily you're going to be really thrown off by just the background whooshing around while you're trying Mm -hmm. to fight and then you can make it and you can make a cool stage fatality because then the stage fatality could be you just kick the dude off the head and then and then the monster like eats him or something like he catches him in his mouth and just eats him (laughs) so dude I hope I hope uh, NetherRealm people are listening and taking notes. Yeah, but that would be a cool idea. Just it's stuff that it's just stuff that we haven't seen before that I think would just be neat. I find it funny that you mentioned a moving platform because right when I was like thinking like what could I do, and then you were like, well, let me throw one more. I'm like, I got it, and I'm thinking like, yeah, on top of like like in the Matrix Reloaded where they're fighting on top of the tractor trailer, just do something like that on top of a movie thing. Mm-hmm. But since you since you use that one. I got a way crazy idea. Okay. What if there's a Mortal Kombat stage that plays up the gameplay? Like, you know, we usually do a a regular, uh, you know, same width field. But what if there's a stage that's mostly vertical? What if it's a stage like it's a a tower, like a Smash Brothers tower or something, and the, the width of the stage is very narrow and you're forced to be up close, but you can hop up levels and stuff like that and travel up and down and fight? What would that be like? Huh. Cool, but ambitious? cool, but um, that 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 feels like more that the actual fight is less about you fighting the other person and more about surviving the level because you have well, to. Well, like, no, jump. there won't be hazards or anything like that. I know you love your, you know, your hazards and stuff like that. It'd just be simply you're forced to be knuckle to knuckle. You can't back up to get space, but you could jump up to to you know get a little breathing room. And he could follow you up there, but no matter where you are, you're going to be like close to each other. So it's that's what you meant by vertical. Yeah, it's a closed space fight. Fighting on the side of the building. No, no, like Like ninety degrees. No, 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 not like that at all. That that'd be trippy too. No, yeah. Some have you seen an episode from the the Tokusatsu show Garo? Actually, I lied. I seen the first episode. That's it. So there's a fight later on where they basically fight. While sliding down a building, uh huh, it looks pretty cool. I have to show you after the after we, we record. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, you know, something like that, mind bendy too, would be kind of cool. But yeah, I'm thinking just like forced to be close to each other, and you can't back up to get space, but you can move vertically if you want. That that, that that's going crazy. But hey, man, I'm gotta have a crazy a opinion crazy. here. I'm a little crazy. <laughs> I like to turn the toilet paper so it's uh underside. Instead of over the top, Fuck, someone stop me! Someone stop me! No, I'm kidding. I'm over the over all the way. Fuck under. Jay puts it under. Fuck him. 
Are you serious? What? what? <laughs> I went up into your bathroom and I one time, well, the last time I visited you, and you had the toilet paper under instead of over. See, I don't care. I just put the toilet paper on the thing, dude. Like I don't, mm. I don't pay attention <sighs> to where it ends up. Uh huh. It just makes more sense to go over. Yeah, pull it down easier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like, dude. I lose my shit over silent letters and anything. <laughs> so I mean, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I like to invent a language where the, the fucking A is silent. Fucking mom's going to freak. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else we need to uh, we wanted to touch on before we... No, uh, except a uh, little applause to John Vogel. Maybe not talked yep. about enough as he deserves to be talked about. You, you are the, one of the MK godfathers. Legend. An absolute yeah. legend, and not and and more people need to talk about you and the great work you've done. I wish I could have learned more about how the the old school two D stages were made, like to the technical you know details. Yeah, yeah, we tried to look for that. There's not a lot of info of that unless I just you know spent a long time to to get to the very bottom, like Sonya Blade wishes to get to the bottom of this the pit. But <laughs> That's uh, terrible. presuming someone knows. I would love to. I would love to know. One day, be able to interview him. You know, talk to John Vogel because it doesn't seem to be uh, interviewed a lot. I would love to know more about you know how those early stages. You know, how much was drawn on a computer? How much was like composited from photos? I know there's some photo composites in there. Yeah, I yeah, was really wishing to work. learn more about that, but uh, I do think it's it's without question that the art in Mortal Kombat pretty goddamn important. I mean, we we barely touched on the the digitized actors too which i think is just part of all the early mortal Kombat's appeal i almost think that's mortal Kombat. yeah Yeah. i almost think that's worthy of its own episode though because outside of the Mm -hmm. art you're getting into just like the the actual acting itself and then how the costumes are digitized and then the technology at the time did digitize all the footage of those actors so you know he he did it all if if you saw it he did it Mm mm-hmm and I think that probably is more important than the music in a way. The, the visuals, that's the first thing you see first. Because, hey, you could be deaf and you could still play Mortal Kombat, but you can't play Mortal Kombat if you're blind. That's true. I know, right? It just fucking blew your mind, right? I know, right? Mm-hmm. That's very, yeah, that's very, very true. And Mortal Kombat's visual style is distinct in that whole idea about like just gore and violence and ultra violence in a video game which led to all the fun times in the 90s and the country over that you can you can partially thank john vogel for visualizing that fun those fun times mm-hmm. so you know again it's just like this man like this man's footprints man like they're on like they're on things they're on things and made a mark on video, not only just mortal Kombat but video game history as a whole so that's kind of neat when you think about it yes it's huge man hey man all four of the founding fathers should be in the the Academy of Arts and Sciences. I was really hoping that they would do all four of them at once, just like yeah. I guess that would feel like you know, two two everyone gets a star. You know, Ed Boon, Ed Boon deserved it, and you know. But I want I want like John Tobias, Dan Forden, and John Vogel to all have. I do too. The same. Like I want next year to be John Tobias. Damn. Yeah, he deserves it. Yeah, I think I I think he does. I think he does deserve it. Petition for the other three to be in there. Yeah, man, it's a petition. Yeah, right if there. not, if not that that honor, you know, some honor somewhere, video game Hall of Fame somewhere. I mean, Mortal Kombat is in video game Hall of Fame, so deservedly so. But yeah, man, the four founding fathers, you know, 
We need to get more people talking about John Vogel. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it. And go read Skitter. <laughs> and go read Skitter. Yeah. <laughs> and I think like I think that'll wrap up this episode talking about at least the art of at least the first three games. Um, as a note, we'll probably do another episode far into the future, just kind of revisiting the art of Mortal Kombat. But of course, we'll do some of the later games. John Vogel's name will be mentioned though, because yeah, like I we was mentioned I was that. meaning to like ask like you know what you thought about some of the more you know not interactive but at least more you know dynamic levels with all the shit going on in the background which john vogel has had a hand in all the way up to 11 but you know yeah we'll, we'll get to those as we're talking about the newer games yep because i did find it interesting too how, how they translated some of the existing levels into the 3d arenas in the ps2 era games which i do think they didn't quite do successfully because it always ended up being just a rectangular arena with uh, some background in there like they did do the pit and the pit is a you know, rectangular platform, and the classic pit is in the background. So it feels kind of like, eh, they didn't, fully, they didn't fully implement everything. But, you know, now we got the 2.5D. Works good. But, yeah, we'll talk more about those mm-hmm. later, at a later date. For for um, And just for everybody listening, for one of our next episodes, we'll be doing... Uh, We'll be doing our review of Mortal Kombat Mythologies, which I know Yasin cannot wait to talk oh, about. Yes. <laughs> oh, if you've if you've been paying yes. attention, we we've been streaming a little bit in Twitch. We've been experimenting with Twitch, and uh, we pretty much sat and watched and tried to morally support Yasin as he <laughs> played through, and he did beat he Mortal did. Kombat Mythologies. And uh, me and Jay just absorbed through osmosis. However, I'm going to try and get a copy. I, I was kind of uh, fucked over in the copy. I was trying to get. I, I don't feel morally right <laughs> being having you seen the only one to suffer through it. I at least want to tinker through at least the N64 version, but, you know, we're hot to talk about it. That's probably going to be our next episode. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't seen this Twitch, stay tuned because we might, we, might, we might stream some other stuff soon on our Twitch channel. Mm-hmm. Maybe Mortal Kombat Special Forces, maybe some non-MK stuff, just something we're playing around with. But, uh, yeah, man, mythologies. And hopefully, you know, we'll beat those obnoxiously hard games too with the power of friendship and safe states oh yes no oh, shame yeah, i wouldn't that. have been sub-zero without safe states yeah, for good, sure <laughs> just leave it you know it's not like the end you know just leave it leave the system on <laughs> i mean this was the playstation version so there were there's a memory card oh yeah 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 but well yeah i have my my ps1 i don't think i have the cords anymore no actually i I may have the cores, but I don't have any controllers for it. Oh no! So I need to I need to hunt those down. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I got my I got my N sixty four, my controllers, and my axe. I do and too. Your axe. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. I have mine too, actually. Full means. Yeah. All I'm right. Ready. So I think like I think we're good. Josh, you seen? Are you guys good? Yep, I'm good. Okay. So I know you seen you does usually does this part, but Josh, take it away with the outro. Hey, Amen. You hosted this, uh, it's, uh, you know, you direct to me. Uh, well, I'll just say, uh, striking back to what I said earlier, it's really awesome uh, and, and neat to see that uh, not only John Vogel and Dan Forden both went to college, studied what they were passionate about, and they instantly dropped in to a position that where they got to work on what they were passionate about, and they've been working at that same fucking company all the way to present day. And I think it just goes to show if you drink your teeth, brush your school, stay in drugs, and don't do milk, you can be a combatant too. What? <laughs> Outstanding. 
for listening to the podcast. You can follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Combat Time Pod. And visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Combat Time Podcast. You can also email us at combattimepodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions you'd like us to answer on the show. See you next time. Mortal Kombat continues. Get over here!